Yes. I'm not crying. You're crying. Yeah. That's why we have the tissues there for you. Um, can I, ju- I just want to make a, a really big under, an understatement for us. Here's the understatement. There is a radically different thing between knowing about one who has and actually experiencing something, right? So for the one who has never been able to hear before, you can understand and think about the concept of hearing, but then when you actually hear something, it's radically transformative. It moves you. There's a huge difference in those things. It's essentially, uh, the, if you think about it, this is actually what social media almost is completely made up of. It's right. It's people's experiences. And you'll look on social media and you'll see people have these different experiences and you look at it for a moment and maybe you flip through a few of the pictures and then you hit the like button and then you move on. That's different than the person that's actually on the trip. They're trying to convey something and you can see it for what it is, but it's a completely and utterly different experience of actually being there in that moment. We've all, you've, you've probably had the friend that's been like, hey, have you ever had this amazing meal from this amazing place? And you go, no, I've never had that. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. You have to try it. And it sounds, it sounds really amazing. And then, but there's a completely different experience when you actually go to the place and then you have the thing and then you're like, oh my gosh, thank you, Jesus. This is what I was always looking for in the taste palette or whatever it is that you say. But you understand there's a completely different experience between knowing or thinking about a thing and actually doing it. At the, uh, at the end of this summer, literally the, the last week of the summer, our family's gonna get a chance just to go on, on a quick vacation. My, it's the only time all of our, we get all of our family together. And, uh, and so my, my mom is awesome. So my parents rent out a, a, a house in Florida. And so we pile all of our family. So me, my family, which is quite large, four kids, and then my brother and his family and their four kids. We'll literally have eight kids between the ages of six and 13 shoved into this one house, right? It is an experience. I can promise you that. But can I tell you, how awful it would be if, in fact, we've been counting the days until we go to the beach. The way, I mean, my wife is really smart, so she, gets a, she got a big bucket of M&Ms, and the kids get to take an M&M out every day, counting down the days until we get to go to the beach. So they're all excited. The M&Ms are getting lower and lower. They're eating the M&Ms. How horrible. Can, I mean, can you imagine? If, this is the trip that we're going to have, and then it gets to the day for us to leave, and I say, okay, kids, sit down. I want to read to you about the beach. And here's all the things that you could do. Hope that was fun, right? That would be awful. That wouldn't be okay. That would be outside. That wouldn't be an experience. That would just be a knowing about something. What I just want to say this morning, listen. Our walk with God is absolutely no different whatsoever. No different. God in Christ was never meant just to be known about. He was meant to be known through real experience. We're not okay with thinking about a vacation or thinking about the restaurant or thinking about what we want to do is go and experience it. And I'm telling you that hunger in the human spirit is because this is how God's wired us for himself. He's actually 
the greatest of all the experiences there are in life. And I think my fear is, and I think what we're going to see from the word of God this morning is that Jesus longs for us to have this experience in him. And in fact, it's this experience in him that is going to drive and move us through life in a way that nothing else can. The disciples themselves are going to have this experience where they actually see Jesus for the first time. See, uh, if you were with us just a couple of weeks ago, what we did is we said, listen, Peter, Jesus asked the question, hey, Peter, who do you say I am? And he says, Jesus, we know you're the chosen one. You're the one that we've always longed for. You're the one that we hunger for. You're, you're the Messiah. You're the king. So he's, he makes the intellectual assent to that. And then he, but he, his idea of what Jesus is supposed to do is a little bit broken. And Jesus calls him up and says, hey, man, you're not thinking. You're thinking about the ways of man. You're trying to establish this earthly kingdom. But I'm here to establish a kingdom that goes across the globe. And I want you to see something bigger. So they've already gone through this process of saying, hey, all the disciples are going, hey, we get it. You're the Messiah. You're the king. But there's a different experience. It's one thing to say that. It's another thing to actually have him, experience him. And that's what they go through. This is what I want to show us in Mark chapter nine. We'll start in just verse two. It's six days after that moment. Jesus took with him Peter and James and John. And he led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant intensely white as no one on earth could possibly bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Understatement of the universe. It is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say for that. Again, it's like, he's like, you almost like get it. Like, who's, do you know who the nervous talker is? Like, Peter's the one that's always talking. And he's like, I don't know what to say. Let's make some tents. You know, it's like, what do you say in this moment? For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified, and a cloud overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but only Jesus. So let's just unpack this really quickly. Jesus has been speaking about exactly what's going to happen. He's letting everyone know, listen, my kingdom's going to be really different and I'm going into the grave. And they're trying to understand what he's saying. They're under, trying to understand what he's doing. So he wants to take them on this journey to begin, for them to begin to understand the depth of who he actually is. So he takes them up on this mountain. This is just an aside note. This is the same mountain. Uh, our, our, our church family is so privileged to have sent and we support uh, Jesse and Lauren Martin uh, who are in Israel. They're learning Arabic right now. Their heart is to minister to people in the Middle East. Love what they're getting to do. They got to come home just for a couple weeks. If you were here last couple weeks, they had some medical stuff they had to come home for. They're back now on the field. They're living on Mount Hermon. This is the place that uh, is widely believed for Jesus to have transfigured, which I just think is an amazing thing that we get to, one, be a part of supporting someone that's in this place, but two, that uh, you actually stand in this 
actual place where Jesus was shifted, his, his true self was kind of revealed in that moment. This is just a total side note. I love being able to do that or think about that. So God takes him up on this mountain and it's in that place that it goes beyond hearing and it, got, it goes beyond knowing about, but they begin to experience Jesus for who he really is. They see the glory that Jesus had owned and carried from eternity past, and it came out of him. Now, if you can imagine this moment where there's not a light, like right now I'm standing under these lights and they're, they're coming down on me. That's not what was happening. There wasn't a great light that came down. There is a light that is coming from out of Jesus. He's literally illuminating and the light's coming from him. And the disciples, they actually know exactly what's going on because they see Moses and Elijah and they know the story. What's the story? Moses goes up on the mountain. He goes to the mountaintop. Moses goes to the mountaintop to receive the law of God. And it's in that place that God talks to him and God's glory is there. And it's actually illuminating Moses's face. And, and Moses says, please let me be in your presence. And then God says, listen, I could do that, but you'll die. You can't, I, my presence is so powerful, so massive, you can't see it. So what he does is he hides him in the cleft of the rock. He puts his hand over him and he passes by and God allows Moses to see him on the back end because he knows he can't see his face. It would literally kill him, would shut him down. And the point then after that, as Moses comes off the mountain, is that if you're going to have the presence of God, then what do you have to do to be able to contain it and not kill yourself? You have to have a tabernacle. You have, to have a, you have to have something that contains it and separates you and keeps you from falling apart. That's literally what's happening in this moment. And they fully understand that. They get that this is the presence of God, the manifest presence of God, and they're in it. And so Peter's like, when, when he says, it says tents, or at least in the version that I just read to us, it says tents, the, same, that the word is tabernacle. He's saying, let me build a tabernacle. If we don't get you guys covered, we're not going to make it through this experience. And Peter gets a sense of the weight of what's happening here in this moment. And it's powerful. And so he says, we need, we need to do something. We need to build something. He said, it's good for us to be here. And, and he's unbelievably terrified. So and understand, see, look, look, you can look there at verse six. He says, he literally, he doesn't know what to say. All he knows is the, the, the story of Moses. And so he says, we've got to build a tabernacle to host God's presence. And all of a sudden, in that moment, a cloud comes down and begins to surround them. And the glory of God's presence begins to descend on them. And out of that cloud, God begins to speak. And he says, this is my son. I love him. Listen to his words. And you see here, well, listen, Peter hasn't died. All of a sudden, they're in this presence and they're not dying. What's happening? Moses then disappears and Elijah disappears. And what's remaining? Just the king, King Jesus. He's there in that place. And they're before him and they see him. 
and they begin to see and understand. You see, Moses isn't necessary any longer to get to God. And Elijah's not necessary to get to God. That in order to be in the presence of God, we stand before one, Jesus, the transcendent one. And they begin to see, listen, Jesus isn't just God in the flesh. He is the bridge to the Father. Jesus is, listen, Jesus is the tabernacle. Jesus is the priest. Jesus is the sacrifice. He's all of it. Every ounce of it is wrapped up in this one person. He's the everything. He's the everything. They've just been in the presence of everything. And it, it was validated in that moment where they see this holy moment and then it all fades away and what's remaining is Jesus. This is where worship begins. It's in this place of seeing Jesus for who he is in all his glory, in all his might, in all his power, in all his beauty, in all of it, that's that place where worship begins. Meaning this, listen, Moses won't do anymore. And Elijah won't do anymore. And movies won't do anymore. And food won't do anymore. And romance won't do anymore. And music won't do anymore. And hobbies and all of the things, the dollars, the careers, none of that will do. Only Jesus will do. He's the only one left that can truly grip our hearts in a way that lasts forever. This is the essence of worship. Just Jesus and all that he is and coming before him and seeing that there is nothing apart from the majesty and the beauty of Jesus. It's in an experience, a coming and understanding, more than knowing about him, but seeing him for who he is and being transformed in that place. Having our heart pulled up into an understanding of the might and the beauty and the power of all that he is. That picture of the transfiguration is actually the, it's the figure, it's the figure of the resurrection. It's that moment where we recognize Jesus is alive today. And he has power and life to give, but it's only found in him and him alone. Meaning this, listen, someday, for all that will call on the name of Jesus, for all that call Jesus Lord, King, and Savior, there's going to come a day where we will literally be wrapped up in the full presence of God. We, listen, we will in that moment feel like we have never experienced before being fully loved, being fully accepted, being fully treasured, being fully alive and restored, all gonna be in that moment 
in God's presence, if you will, if you'll allow me, sitting as a child in his lap, wrapped up in all that he is. That place is the center of worship. Where the hunger for the thing that transcends us and is beyond us is actually the thing that we're experiencing. And what Jesus wanted his disciples and he wants us in this moment to know is that's that taste that we all long for that is so beyond us and fulfills every desire of our heart, that is available right here and right now in him. It's what he wants to give to us. It's what he wants for us to experience that glory that we all hung for, hunger for and we look for in a hundred different ways. That one experience to matter, that's all answered in the transcendent person of Jesus. And this church, listen, it, this is the essence of worship. It's so much, listen, it's so much further than singing songs in fact, in, in, a, in a little bit, we're going to have an opportunity to, to sing some songs. But I can tell you that, listen, singing songs is not the essence of worship. We sing the songs because we're asking for God to allow his transcendent beauty to travel down into the deep place in our heart and change us and transform us. This is what worship actually is, where we come into an experience of God and his goodness, where we recognize that he is the answer to the cry of our heart, where we see him high and lifted up. And we come to that place where we say, listen, it's not enough to just see the pictures. It's not enough just to read the stories. It's not enough to see the words on the page and for them not to come and interact in our lives to move us. We want to go past the point of knowing about Jesus to really knowing him. And this is the beauty. This is the thing that's opened to us because of who, because of one, what Jesus did and two, because he sent his spirit to come and make it alive. Jesus is the tabernacle. He's the safe place. He's the priest and the sacrifice. Listen, mark my words. When Jesus, when Jesus returns and comes again, the entire universe will come undone. When the, the manifest presence of Jesus comes again, hear this, the entire universe will bow. And the, the beauty is, is that God has sent, Jesus himself sent the Holy Spirit for us to begin to encounter and know Jesus now. Not just for the age to come. We long for that, but there are tastes of it now. That's what we were meant to have. And the truth is, is listen, those moments might be fleeting those moments where we come and we actually experience Jesus, it's not something that we can necessarily live in. In fact, I love the scripture that just actually says, listen, God knows our frame. He says, he remembers that we're dust. Our days are like 
the grass of the field, they're numbered and would grow up and then, and then they, they, they're blown away in a moment. He understands this and there's a frailty to the human experience. But there is, an, there is a true experience of the presence of God that we were all meant to have that is available to us because of what Jesus did by his Holy Spirit. And it's transformative. It's what changes our reality. It's what changes our understanding of who we are. It's what moves us into those deeper places and readies us for the days ahead. I remember when I was, um, uh, was about, I was I, between 14 and 15 years old, it was in between uh, my seventh and eighth grade year. And uh, I'll just be honest with you, I, I had started to go to youth group because there was a really cute girl in that youth group. And so <clears throat> I just decided I'm going to go to youth group. And somewhere in the midst of going to youth group, because I thought there were some cute girls there, uh, the Lord began to do something, and he began to grab a hold of my heart. So that summer, um, I had my own, if you will, mountaintop experience. So Moses has the mountaintop, and, and, um, and, and then the disciples here have this mountaintop, and I'm 15 years old, and we go, and so we're from West Texas, and, our, our, and, the, and you, have to really, you have to drive a really long way to get out of West Texas. It just goes on forever. And so we did, um, we went, our, our church camp was in Colorado, which was essentially heaven, basically, in our minds. So we drove to heaven, uh, and we went to this camp called Silvercliff. And <clears throat> how many of you have been to summer, like uh, church summer camp before? Any church summer camp people? All right. How many of you have had what you call the, that mountaintop experience at camp, all right? Uh, what that means is you, basically, oh, what it means is this. Listen, uh, you're, you're an abject mess, right, as a teenager in many ways, right? You can't think straight in any way, form, or fashion. You can't, you know, change, like, up from down. You don't know what's going on. And your hormones are moving all over the place. But here, what you do is for one week, you get rid of TV, you get rid of distractions, you think about Jesus, and you hang out with friends that are thinking about Jesus. And this is in this amazing environment um, to have an opportunity to just meet with God. And can I just tell you something? I, we can make fun of those camp high experiences. I met with God. <laughs> that summer. It changed me. Because I had been hearing about Jesus, and it sounded good. My parents had brought me up in church, and it sounded good. But that was the moment where I went, oh, my gosh. I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior, and he's good, and he loves me. And it changed my entire understanding of my life and who he was. God moved me in that place, and I had that moment. Was I able to sustain that? No, we all come off the camp experience, right? And we come down off the mountain. In fact, we're going to look at a moment where the, these guys come off the mountain. And we're going to get to that. The very next year, I went back uh, to that same camp. God in God's presence was aware, made aware of the places where I was broken and had sin and confessed those things and got before the Lord. And, and then it was that I'm, I'm 16 years old and the Lord says, dude, you're going to preach for the rest of your life. And some of you are going like, man, that sounds, oh my gosh, I would hate doing that. But for me, I was like, 
home, Daddy. Let's do this thing. I remember that. And it was in that moment. Listen to me. The reason I'm standing here today is because I believed and saw and experienced that God is not someone to be known about. He's someone that comes and he speaks and he comes into that place and worship begins to take place. Now, I promise you this, that if, you get, if, we, if we come into this place and we worship him, he, he probably is not gonna make you a preacher. He might make you a preacher, all right? But here's what he will do. He will unveil who he is and he will unveil what our purpose is. But listen to me, it's more than a knowing about. God wants us to know him. To see him, to see us in light of who he is and to begin to experience him. Where we come under the power of knowing that we're radically loved. That we are fully, listen, fully accepted. Completely and utterly restored. And no person and no thing can steal that on the face of the planet. And when you're in that place, it is fuel for the days ahead. It's power. That's why this worship thing, this true experience is so important. That's why it's so important because this true experience of unfettered love for God and receiving his love is going to power the days ahead. It's going to move us for the things that we have ahead. In fact, if you look here, there's some things to come that might not be so easy or great. And this taste of God's presence is what's going to move us through maybe even those moments of pain. If you look at verse 14, so they come off the mountain and they came to the disciples, right? So literally, so Here's the, the mountaintop experience. They come off the mountain, and they, they come down, and here's what they see. The disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and the scribes of the Pharisees are arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed, and they ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered, teacher, I brought my son to you. For he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. And he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out. And they were not able. Now, you're on the mountaintop. You come off the mountaintop. And what happens is you actually hit real life. You hit that moment where it's not working. The disciples are falling short, and then they're in some kind of argument. You could think about it. They're in some kind of argument with the Pharisees, probably arguing about the un- theological underpinning of casting demons out, or maybe they're, I mean, we don't really know what they're arguing about. Maybe the, maybe the Pharisees are looking at them saying, you don't have any business whatsoever doing this. You're not holy enough. You're not good enough. You're not pure enough to be able to cast this demon out. And they're arguing about this thing. And this is one big mess. In this case here, basically the disciples have failed. It's not working out. And they come into this place and 
We've all been in that place where we run up against that place where we've failed. We come to those hard moments. We come facing the realities of life that sometimes are ugly. It doesn't feel like we're winning. You ever had those kind of moments and you come to this place? They're trying, the disciples are here, they're Really, it's all frustrated and it's all messy and it's all gross. And we have this ugly scene and Jesus says, listen, here's the truth. In this world, you're gonna have troubles. In this world, there are gonna be trials. What is the thing that will power us through those moments? When you have the trial and life doesn't seem to be working, What's the fuel to be able to push and press through? How do we step over and not live defeated? It's that, it's that moment of worship, not knowing about but experiencing Jesus. That's the energy, that's the power that will push us through. You might even, you might be in this room, you might have a major uphill battle that you feel like you're facing Maybe you're just trying to keep your marriage together. You're really wrestling with some fears about the future, the days ahead. You're not knowing how things are going to work out. What is the thing that will press us through the unknown that's in front of us or the massive mountain or what feels like the failure that we're staring in the face? What's the thing that actually pushes us through and past that moment? And what we See here is that it's that believing and experiencing the power of Jesus. Where we know who he is. And he moves us with his word. Where we come and understand that he's more than a man to be known about. He's a God to be experienced. that when we don't feel like we can sustain and continue to walk, that he grabs us and he picks us up and he carries us through that moment because that's who he is. Jesus wants us to have those moments where he was meant to be known. Um, we, as I got to grow up, uh, we grew up in um, a, a, a godly family, a great church environment. So we were a part of, my family was a part of a lot of different small groups. And I remember a young couple, their name was Kevin and Leanne. They were like the super cool young couple. They were probably 10 years older than me at that time. They were young marrieds. And I remember seeing them and he was the really cool guy. He was from California. He had this amazing blonde feathered hair because it's the 80s so it was amazing right so it's amazing blonde feathered hair and I just thought man if I could just be that guy and I remember how amazing they are they were and so we got to do a little bit of life with them and see them and and watch them trying to do this godly relationship but um didn't get to keep in contact of course you don't get to keep in contact with everyone that you grow up with but I just had seen and heard that Leanne over the last 10 or so years had been battling cancer and she'd kind of, she'd have cancer and go in remission and have cancer and go in remission. And the third time it came through and three weeks ago, um, she passed away. 
It's one of those heartbreaking things where you go, this, this couple loved Jesus with their whole heart, and it's hard to maybe put your mind around those moments and those circumstances. But they posted this video, and she's lying there in her bed. And they prayed their guts out for God to remove and take the cancer away. And they had some incredible faithful saints praying and asking for God to do this work of healing. You never know why. You don't always understand God's design and purpose of it. But I can tell you this. Leanne laid there in that bed, confident in the power and the presence of God. And she was, listen, ready to meet with him. And I'll tell you what pressed her through that moment was the belief and the experience of the true goodness of God. Because she did not, and and neither she nor Kevin, cursed his name or pressed against him. They honored and they worshiped him. They brought people around and they're worshiping around her bed and she is ready to see him. And I'm telling you, that is a fuel and that is an experience that is far beyond knowing about, it comes in a real place of knowing, of having fuel to move through whatever is ahead, no matter what circumstances may come, or as Jesus says, no matter what trials or tribulations we might experience, there is a knowing in him that is actually, truly worship where our heart is alive. How do those... How do we keep from those tribulations hardening our heart and not pressing us into a place of fear or worry or doubt? The answer is worship. To be able to open that heart up, right? Think about what worship actually is. It's the hunger. It's the longing for the experience of the thing that's greater than us. And we'll look for it a hundred different ways. There's a hundred different things we'll try to worship but there's nothing more powerful than the person of Jesus. That's what the transfiguration was about. As saying, you're meant to experience and know me. And so the, the final question is, listen, that sounds amazing, but how do we actually come into this experience? And again, this is not sustainable. I would love to just to say that we can live in this all the time. It's, it's not reality in our humanity, but we, come to the, but we can come and fight for these moments of true worship where we get before him and he transforms us. And the question is, well, how do we do that? How do we move past knowing to the experience of actually knowing his, and having his glory in our lives, in our hearts, believing and trusting him, in him? And the answer is right here. Look at Mark chapter 9, verse 20. So they bring the boy to Jesus, and when the Spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground, and he rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire, into water, to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. This is, to me, the most beautiful expression of how you and I can come into these, a true experience of worship. 
is when we come before him and we give him our most precious thing. And we open up our hands and say, listen, I'm not coming to you in my own righteousness or because I deserve anything. I'm opening my hands up and saying, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Now listen, this is the groundwork for where God meets people. This is the space where we come into true encounter. When we just, with authenticity, say this, help my unbelief. Help my fledgling faith. I want to believe, but I don't believe. Here's the acknowledgement. The guy is here saying, I don't have the belief, but would you help me? Would you come and meet with me? Listen, if you want to come into a fresh encounter, a true encounter with the real God, where we look at it and we go, it's not just enough to see the pictures and to see the words. I want to come and encounter. If you and I want to come into that place, we open our hands up, we bring what's most precious in our lives to him and say, Lord, would you just meet me in this place? Help me, help my unbelief, help me to trust you, build my faith that I'm coming to you recognizing that you are the answer and I'm not. I'm not bringing what I can to the table. I'm coming to the table empty-handed, believing that in that place, you meet me. In that place, you answer. In that place, you receive. In that place, you heal. And we see the beauty of Jesus' response to this family. And he comes and he heals in that moment, and he restores this boy. Team uh, band, I want you guys to come up and we're going to finish here in a moment. I just want to be honest with you about something as we kind of just get ready to come to the Lord in worship. There are, uh, there are days, I would just say there are days in my flesh where I don't want to press for his presence. I don't feel like pressing that way. I can go through the motions of saying that I know about God and I can even go through the motions of singing songs. But there's a vulnerability of opening up our hands to come to the Lord to say, Lord, help me, meet with me, help my unbelief. Come, give me new life and faith to trust you for more. Will you speak to me and you remind me of who you are and you remind me of who I am. You speak words of life and truth over me and I come into an experience that I'm not moving and I'm not living in this life apart from you or without you. I want to know your goodness. I want to know your fatherly heart. I want to cry out for your goodness, your presence. I want you to reveal and deal with the areas of my heart that are closed off to you or the places of sin that I'm struggling with. But I know this, there's a transcendent understanding of who you are. It goes past a knowledge here and it travels down into the deep places and moves us. And it gives us fuel for the days ahead no matter what we have to face. This is what the Lord wants to do in each one of us is give us a taste of himself. This is what happened in that transfiguration. It was a taste of who he really is. And there is a taste. And how do I know that? Because this is what Jesus says with his own words. He said this, it's better for me to leave that I might send the helper. Meaning this, 
that what those disciples, because I know what you're thinking, well, Jesus isn't here. We can't go to the Mount of Transfiguration and see him for ourselves. And what Jesus wanted to say is, there's one who's coming that I'm going to send to you that can give you everything and more than me being here. To lift your heart up, to lift your mind, to give you power in life, to overcome sin and to, to be satisfied in the deep places in our heart. This is who I am and this is what I do. This is what I'm going to do by my spirit. And this is what God wants to give to us. It's what he wants to release over us. And here in a moment, we're gonna sing some songs and we, we can sing some songs and that's okay. But there's an opportunity to open our hands and say, God, I don't wanna just sing songs. I wanna meet with you. I'm willing to be vulnerable to open up my hands and say, Lord, I need, I need you to speak life over me. I need you for power for the days ahead. I need to trust you. I have places that I don't trust and don't believe and I'm asking you to move. And so would you move? And we wanna meet with you. Will you guys stand with me? I'm just gonna pray that over us. Father, we just want to, we're going to take, we have literally 20 minutes left here. And it would be as easy as anything in the world to go through the motions of singing some songs or even just uh, checking out. And I'm just asking God that here in this moment, Lord, we're asking you together, could we just experience you and your goodness and your presence? Father, we thank you for mountaintop moments where you meet with us so that you can fuel the fire as we come off the mountain and we face whatever we have. And in fact, some of you are facing some pretty heavy things. You might be facing some weighty things. And I can promise you this, the answer to the cry of our heart is not that the, the circumstance gets fixed. The answer is that we are empowered by true worship of the King of Kings who will move us from place to place. Lord, we just confess, Lord, that if our lives are based on our experiences, then we're going to live on the emotion of riding up and down on the waves of the craziness of life. But if our heart and lives are anchored in you and your presence, we can walk through anything. Just make that confession. Lord, if we have your presence, we can go anywhere. We can do anything. Whatever infirmity, whatever challenge, whatever mountain we're facing. I ask God that you would lead us through. Lord, I ask right now, would you meet with us? Help us to do more than sing songs, but let our heart rise to you. We ask in Jesus' name.